and we're back with another uh, lockdown version of this podcast, uh, the base training podcast. Today we're going to be answering the question of how do I get stronger during lockdown? Um, we're going to try and direct this more to those towards those that haven't got the equipment and the barbells, as Will says, it's, they haven't been able to pay to play and pay to win. Um, uh, so they've got minimal equipment. So how do you get stronger in that position? Because this, especially for the athletic population, you need to maintain strength if they want to ma- maintain uh, competitiveness uh, in, when once all this uh, lockdown is relaxed and, and reduced and competition begins again. Um, so how do we continue to get stronger? Firstly, as always, uh, let's introduce who we have on the call. Um, Will, who are you? I am Will, believe it or not. Um, and you can find me on old social medias. We're, uh, coat underscore Will underscore Strathy on Instagram. Will Strathy on LinkedIn. And Will Strathy Health and Fitness Coach, I believe, on Facebook. And what other wonderful person have we got here? Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm Steph. Um, I'm also on all social medias. You can find me on Instagram, coach underscore Stefan underscore Winder. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Stefan Winder MSC. You can find me on Facebook, Stefan Winder Strength and Movement Coach. And you can email me, Stefan at base.training. Awesome. And you can also find myself, Lee Carter, Lee Carter UK, on on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can email me, Lee at Base.Training. If you want any more information about us as a company and what we do, you can head to Base.Training, or www.base.training for that information. Uh, Loads of blogs, uh, loads of stuff that you can be reading to find out who we are. So what is strength? Firstly, because it's always important to define what we're talking about. Um, Stefan, what is strength? You're a definition man. Definition man. Uh, so strength uh, is the ability to overcome resistance. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Yep. And how would we normally improve that in a gym? Um. There's multiple ways, um, lots of different training modalities out there that we can utilize to our benefit. Um, and you can just pick and choose which one is for that individual based on their uh, existing capacity. So we have dumbbells, we have barbells, we have body weight, we have resistance bands, we have kettlebells, we have uh, gymnastic rings, TRX, anything like that. Uh, anything that applies an external resistance or a load, an internal load uh, to the muscle tissue to overcome the resistance um, is going to allow you to, to develop in strength, strength capacity. Yeah, strength is quite a broad term, isn't it? Like, I think what is probably good to do is to narrow this down a bit and maybe talk about um, what most people think of as strength, as absolute strength, maximum voluntary contractions. Um, again, in up without lockdown and in a normal gym, how would what would be the or most utilised ways of improving maximal voluntary contractions, like single short burst efforts? 
So that would be things like um, the one RM lifts, like particularly uh, your, your big three lifts, like the power lifts, uh, that involve as many individual muscles and motor unit recruitment as possible. So you've got things like uh, a conventional deadlift, a back squat, um, particularly low bar back squat, um, pull-ups, um, or bent, barbell bent over row, um, and then you bench press as well, like conventional bench press. Uh, these things involve the majority of the body with each rep and repetition and allows you to get as much motor unit recruitment as possible because you can therefore lift more resistance as you have more muscles applied to the movement. Excellent stuff. Yeah, for those that don't know, there's there's loads of loads of different methods you can use and different types of periodization and things like that to assist with that. Um, there's also things like uh, maximum velocity jumps, like velocity based training. Um, again, it's but it's it's still encompassing those points that Stefan mentioned: high motor unit recruitment, um, compound based mo movements, and high load, essentially close to one RM um, capabilities. Now, obviously, under lockdown now, we most people aren't going to have access to the equipment needed to load up a barbell um, and do a max squat or five sets of five at high load three times a week. Um, so Will, what sort of stuff have you been programming for your clients to help them get stronger and then more specifically help them improve um, maximal absolute strength? Um, so obviously... One of the, the things that I thought about before program for me is what, what methods can I use? What factors can I change that increase the uh, the amount of force required to move that person? And what factors can like, change the amount of stress on the muscle? So one of the things I've been doing like most of is just like tempo and like, pauses. Um, so if someone needs to like, pause at the bottom of the squat, easiest way, what's the easiest way to explain that? I don't know, but they, it's hard, becomes harder for them to stand up. Therefore, the amount of force they need to generate to be able to stand up is increased. We will start to overload the muscle uh, through tempo and pauses. Uh, and like you just said, velocity-based training, so getting them to perform uh, vertical jumps and broad jumps um, as a way to increase the, the rate of force development, uh, which would require increased motor unit recruitment. And therefore, increase the muscular strength. Yes, I like the. Um, I've, I've really liked the like you trying to utilize uh, post-activation potentiation as much as possible in this. So pairing exercises together, doing like a high, uh, high neural drive, high motor recruitment, and compound-based exercise into a maximal effort activity so that might be something like a maximal effort counter movement jump which is just a standing jump as high as you can and variations of that sort of maximal effort um hands on hip counter movement jump or drop uh, depth, uh, depth box depth jump is that what it's called yeah depth jump and and varying uh, methods of that for those that can take it again for those that and those that require it, it's always important to talk about that. But one of the things I've been utilising quite heavily um, for those that need maximal strength as a function of their fitness, in quote marks, um, is maximal voluntary contraction isometrics. And the way I've been getting people to do this is 
we'll use the deadlift as a an example. Um, having a like a strap or um, something that they can stand on in a position where they can set up as a set up like they are with a deadlift um, or like a know in the army they do a static pull test. So you stand on a stand on this little platform. It's got a handle attached to it like a deadlift, and you pull on it as hard as you possibly can, and it essentially measures how hard you're pulling. Um, and that's what we've been utilising, coupling that with the, the post-activation exercises. Um, deadlift's been usually a main one as uh, most people have access to something that they can stand on, like a strap or um, a towing strap. Sorry? A towel. A towel, yeah, perfect. Um, and pulling against it as hard as they possibly can, obviously making sure they maintain um, good mechanics and they're not working to a point where it's unsafe. Um, hence why you only use this with, it's quite an advanced way of training someone to get stronger. You're only going to use it with people that are ready for it. Um, what sort of responses are you seeing um, from the methods that you're using? It's hard to say, like, what's it been, two, two weeks of lockdown, two and a half weeks? Um, so any, like, longer-term increase of output, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but in terms of like, their ability to perform the movement well, I think you can use it as a measure um, if you're trying to maintain or increase strength. If they start to, their performance starts to deteriorate, you could probably say they're no longer strong enough to perform it. Um, but I think for in terms of measuring output from that training method, two weeks for a lot of people is probably quite enough if they're advanced or even intermediate. Yeah, for someone lower Time down the scale, that's, like if you use this method, um, you're probably going to see quite a quick response. Um, two weeks is probably enough to see a decent response. But then again, you haven't got much to test it. Um, you can only measure against what they're doing now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I suppose the only, the only way you could do anything about it is stand on a scale, put the towel under the scales, <clears throat> put against it. Have you increased the amount you can pull? Or the, the measurement that the scale gives you, uh, kilograms, it measures. Um, pull it off the chart. Uh, <laughs> but it is really about maintaining high neural drive because, uh, as Stefan mentioned about motor unit recruitment. It's not necessarily all about getting the tissues stronger. It's part of that. It's also about how well can you recruit those tissues. We're not training the tissue. We're training the central nervous system here to recruit the tissue you've already got. And in most cases, it's already strong enough to uh, create your forces well outside your um, active means. So your... Um, we, we've all heard the examples of people getting electrocuted and jumping 30 foot and uh, pregnant or women lifting cars off babies and things like that. They've already got the um, capabilities to lift well outside their maximal voluntary uh, contractile potential. Um, so it's really about trying to improve the amount of uh, neural drive and neural recruitment that they have within that, uh, the motor pool that they have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, before this call, um, we're going to try and keep this quite short. Stefan talked a little bit about um, like lifestyle factors. What sort of lifestyle factors are going to be important when um, 
trying to increase strength in a low in the lockdown setting while training at home with low equip low levels of equipment. So if we're talking about things like maximal voluntary contraction, it's um, the caveat is that it's highly fatiguing work because of that motor unit recruitment and the time under tension. Um, similarly, if we're doing tempo work and this person your client traditionally doesn't do tempo work. This is going to be a brand new stimulus for them. So their muscles are going to, they're going to uh, have that shock to the system. So they are going to get DOMS. Um, and because of that, we need to have appropriate recovery methods in place and we need to have uh, appropriate nutrition in place. And I suppose nutrition goes hand in hand with recovery. So I always start with nutrition. If you haven't got adequate nutrition underpinning what you're doing, as physical exercise, then you're never going to be able to truly recover from that exercise. So you're going to be in a fatigue state for longer. And sometimes we talk about the fitness fatigue theory, where we're kind of at our baseline throughout the day. When we expose ourselves to, to physical work, that baseline then drops and we're in our uh, what we call de uh, depletion zone. Uh, then we uh, then we rest, and as time goes on, we then super compensate, and our muscles and uh, our body structures then have a recovery phase where they're actually then stronger for a period of time and then we come back to baseline and it's those positive curves where we actually make a lot of our strength gains so we haven't got appropriate nutrition we've not got an adequate intake of carbohydrates fat protein predominantly as well as vitamins and minerals and water if we're not adequately hydrated we're never going to be able to truly recover from that exercise we're never going to get back to baseline or let alone get above and super compensate so i always start with nutrition that's the biggest one for me. Next thing is sleep. Um, a lot of people are working from home now. Um, a lot of workplace, especially my clients, they've got a lot of lax rules with regards to work. Like they have certain meetings like Skype calls throughout the days and things like that, but they don't necessarily have to be in the office for a particular time. So they can start work whenever they are, whenever they're ready. So like 9, 10 a.m. So there's no reason now that we can't have regular bedtimes and wake up times to allow that person to get at least seven to nine hours of quality sleep. There's much less distraction now. You shouldn't be getting kind of those late phone calls at nighttime because people have, can't get into the office and things like that. People aren't ringing up sick and you don't have to cover them and bail them out. So um, that's the next thing I, I focus on is sleep. Um, it's a really good time now to schedule those regular bedtimes and wake-up times to help people establish a rhythm with their body um, get their circadian rhythm back under back under control, which they may not have had the time to do previously. Uh, and after that, the next things are things like stress management. So again, because we're at home, there's a lot less uh, stimulus for our sympathetic nervous system. We're not having to rush to get to work. We're not having to rush to catch a bus. We're not having to rush to grab food on the way <coughs> on the way to work or on the way out of work to go to the gym. People haven't got as many deadlines to meet now, so there's far fewer external stressors, like physical stressors, that are going to increase the sympathetic nervous system activity. So people are going to be a lot more parasympathetically driven. However, this is a really good time to focus on skills that people can incorporate when they do get back into their routines. Like uh, Will's talked about before, like deep diaphragmatic breathing is a really, really good one to get people to practice throughout the day to increase parasympathetic drive when they're not physically active so that they can allow cortisol and uh, testosterone and estrogen to balance out and progesterone uh, 
to actually get back to normal levels, which they may not, because they might have been living completely in their sympathetic nervous system before all of this. It's almost like a really good opportunity for people to hit that reset button. Um, so those are the three things that I'm focusing on a lot of times. So it's primarily nutrition uh, and like food preparation skills and cooking skills, sleep, um, hydration, I suppose, comes under the nutrition and management of, of stress. So one thing I wanted added to that was the, that we talk about the sympathetic nervous system and the potential opportunities for it to be, or the, to be the less dominant um, area in which people are spending most of their time. Uh, one of the things that tend has been shown to increase um, sympathetic activity is social isolation. Um, so it's kind of a bit of a bit of a uh, oxymoron, isn't it? You've got all this time now, but now you're alone to do it. And you're like, oh god! Um, so it can increase uh, sympathetic activity um, and all the glucocorticoid production that comes along with that, and the negative and positive impacts of that. Um, so I think it's important to mention, but I don't want to get too far away from uh, how to get strong. But it, it is a massive opportunity, isn't it? Uh, to take care of all the things that you couldn't do before. And I've had a couple of clients say very similar things to me, that they were enjoying the slower pace of life, able just to take a step back and go, okay, actually, they get this, uh, what they call in the army, a condor moment, kind of survey what is going on with their life. Actually, I probably need to, I need to fix my sleep. I need to make that a bit more of a priority uh, if I want to get stronger. Because Lee has always harped on about it, but I've never had the opportunity or the time to take a step back and go, actually, I do. Where do I have the opportunity uh, to sleep more so that I can recover better, so that I can increase the amount I lift the next day by one percent, so I can get a little bit stronger? And I've seen the ones that have done that have seen very quick increases. The ones that um, were able to get on that straight away, because uh, this isn't everyone. Some people have had the opposite; they now have less time. And again, one of my clients has literally the opposite of, of what a lot of people are experiencing he's got a couple of kids to look after he's got to work full time and he now has no time to train so we're now having to mix training in with um like uh, how he looks after his kids <laughs> trying to trying to get strong whilst taking your uh, child out for a walk isn't isn't really um you can't can't do too many kettlebell swings with your kid um <laughs> so uh yeah, it's even important to, t- like, if you can, take a step back and have that Condor moment, survey the, survey the land and see where the opportunity lies. Is it sleep opportunity? Is it nutrition? Is it water? And plug some of these holes. And again, <clears throat> I've seen people, I um, had the conversation the other day, once people understand that um, lifestyle is a massive factor in whatever goal they're trying to achieve, once they, that becomes the priority, the path to their goal becomes clearer and easier to get to. Because of all the all the noise is out of the way. All the, if you if you imagine yourself walking the path, like all the all the fallen down trees that are kind of blocking your way and all, and all the zombies that are there, um, now just disappear. Well, they don't disappear, but they they move to the side and a clearer path appears. Um, so I think what you said there is massively important. My, uh, I think t- giving people some ideas of things that they can do um, 
and, and different exercises might be a good idea um, and how they can set that up. Uh, one of the ones I wanted to mention yesterday is if you've got a, um, a chair and you have a weightlifting belt or something similar, again, a, a lifting strap, a towing strap or a piece of rope even, you can tie in a, in a loop. Um, I was doing uh, knee extensions like I could put on a machine. Sat on the bench, I had the uh, my weightlifting belt hooked around the bench and then around my foot, and I was pressing as hard as I could against it. At the same time, I was doing a calf raise. Because I couldn't lift my leg up, because I was trying to extend it maximally, I was also pushing as hard down as into I can, into the floor as I can. So I'm getting my calf and my quad working at the same time. Um, what uh, things, because we, we've had to use a bit more imagination, what sort of things have you got people doing to utilise some of the methods that we've talked about? Practical tips. Do you want to go well? Uh, no, you go, Stefan. <coughs> straight, straight back at you. Cool, I'm uh, so, a lot of the stuff I'm doing for my clients, the stuff that's more suitable towards them, is body weight stuff. Um, so, I'm doing pairs, um, working in supersets. So, they'll be doing a lower body exercise paired with an upper body exercise. And it's going from that higher level of contraction to more dynamic exercise with less, uh, let's call it load less loading so for example i'll get someone to do a maximal squeeze split squat 10 seconds each leg they'll then do that with a high plank position squeezing everything as hard as possible so squeezing arm muscles shoulders squeezing those scapulars squeezing your core squeezing your bum squeezing your quads in that high plank position hold it for 20 seconds and they're going to repeat that three to five times depending on the client and then they'll move into more dynamic so they could do uh, an air squat under tension like so three seconds down two second pause at the bottom uh, two seconds back up to the top one second pause repeat for 10 reps and then they go into some push-ups so working the same patterns and just continuing down that and then finishing with a bit of core work so uh, some dead bugs like really slow and controlled 12 reps six per side followed by uh, some shoulder taps something like that. Um, I find that's re working really well, working quite nicely, going from that higher order contraction to the more dynamic time under tension work, combining them both best worlds. Um, and then on the next day, they'll do the opposite pattern. So they'll do like a pulling pattern and a hip hinge. Um, and that seems to be working quite nicely, that split. Um, but again, depending on your client, uh, it could be a mix of everything on one day. So it might just be all dynamic time under tension work, higher volume, uh, a mix of push, pull, hip hinge, uh, work all on the same day, and then same again on the next day, just different variations of these patterns, adding in horizontal and vertical variations. So, um, yeah, it, it just really depends on the client. But those are the kind of things I've been doing predominantly body weight because my clients don't really have much equipment. But if they've got resistance bands and things, like you're saying, they doing maximal isometrics pulls, so extending as far as you can, like in a bent over row position, standing on the resistance band pulling into position, then squeezing and holding that position for as long as possible before returning back to the start and then pairing it with your opposite exercise. So um, those are the kind of things that I've been doing. What about you, uh, what about you Will? Uh, similar, so a lot of my, few of my clients have like bands, um, so getting them to do a band of isometrics of, because a lot of people think they've got a band, they have to do some sort of 
movement with it. So I've got a bad oh, I must have abandoned row. Well, let's just hold that contracted position uh, and use isometrics with the band. So I enjoy using bands, but at the same time I don't because then to get it exactly the same every time uh, is quite tough. Um, so obviously they're always going to have slightly different resistance. Um, you can't measure it unless you stand. You measure exactly where you're going to stand above it. So banded isometrics and just banded movements, like a banded deadlift using the band, banded rows, uh, banded shoulder presses, um, and some call it stop plyometrics and high velocity training, some jumping movements um, with so it'd be post activation potentiation. Lee's favourite topic. He wrote an essay on it. If you don't know, yeah. um, so they're doing some heavier back squats uh, they have enough load for it to be heavy for them and then perform uh, count vertical counter movement jumps and then resting's good like four to five minutes yep love it love it and, uh, very similar as, all, as i've already alluded to um maximal voluntary contractions compound motions or compound movements um for me paired with uh, the pap stuff is it's probably the best way to increase increase um, maximal strength during this lockdown period, um, and I think just utilizing these principles it allows us to have a lot of variety when doing it. And um, one of the things that also springs to mind is is the contraction types. So I've now preferred to use the terms uh, myometric, isometric, and plyometric. Uh, plyometric being P-L-I-O, not Y-O. So it's different to like box jumps and things like that. Um, essentially just mean myometric is uh, shortening, uh, which is the same as concentric. Um, isometric stays the same. And plyometric, P-L-I-O, is lengthening. And one of the things that things like banded deadlifts do is it helps us work through those uh, contraction types better. Is what we find a lot of is, especially when people are doing things like deadlifting, is they don't practice the down phase. That the up phase is always like hard, really hard, really maximal contraction. They get to the top, there's an isometric point, um, and then on the way down, they either drop the bar or it's really fast on the way down. It's never really controlled. You know, we always try to use tempo, but high loads is very hard to do. Um, and not everyone sticks to it because of how hard it is. One of the things that using a band does is forces us to go through those um, uh, tempo because the, the resistance is on you the whole time. And I think this is one of the reasons in gyms, and especially, you know, you, I don't like the term, functional gyms, you see a lot of injuries because the concentric portion and isometric portion are trained preferably over the eccentric portion, unless you're doing pull-ups for some reason. Um, in most because gravity takes care of most of the the, the plyometric or eccentric portion so adding bands to your lifts um, helps us or can be used to improve the plyometric part of the uh, contraction and and setting up different environments and so you, you haven't just got um, the myo iso and plyometric environment you can have voluntarily or involuntary active isometrics so you can lift your arm up 
where the, there's no tension in the muscle, apply force to it and hold it as hard as you can. You're getting an involuntary isometric there. Or the involuntary isometric is the part where it's up, it's still, and then you can add the active involuntary part to it. So setting up different challenging environments. Again, we're not necessarily changing, training the muscle here. We're training the central nervous system to, to react to a perturbation or to an external perturbation, um, which helps train the whole system, not just your biceps. It trains the whole system. It trains your brain to react, utilizing the whole system quicker. Um, and this can help, in some cases, reduce pain and give control back to the system or give control, give an increased sense of governance of the brain over its sense of control of the body, the system. Um, if any of that made any sense. <laughs> Probably starting to go over people's heads now. I'd like to say that this method of training that Lee's talking about is really effing hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've done a little bit to like, together, like 10 minutes is enough. Yeah, it's really, really hard. Once you find those areas where that are lower quality, and you can only, the only way you can do that is through exploring different ranges of motions and with an external perturbation, which means someone else has to test it. They have to disturb the system. It's the only way you can test a system's function and how well it functions is by how well it reacts as a whole to an external stimulus. It's the only way you can do it. It's complex system theory. Um, but the idea of holding isometric positions through a range of different environments or going through, as you call it, plyo, uh, eccentric type movements in certain, it's not a whole movement pattern, it could be part of a movement pattern, like, it's very tough. Yeah. If you do it properly, like, it's very, very tough and you'll probably realise you don't need to train for an hour and a half if you do it. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking some examples of me and Will worked on when we found his big he couldn't move his big essentially couldn't move his big toe and flex his big toe. We found that out, didn't we? And we like tried did some isometrics and did some uh, the my or the myometrics into an isometric into a plyometric and Will was Will was struggling. <laughs> he was sweating just trying to get his big toe working. Because that stuff's important. It's not just about the compound lifts. Because uh, that stuff can all add to your ability to put force out. Um, your body's um, spatiotemporal control over itself can, if it's not, if your brain isn't liking, for instance, going to the left, it can shut down portions of your body. And it can make your um, single leg squat on the right leg quite strong, and it can make your left leg really weak. Improve your ability to go left, your brain suddenly concludes that it's okay and your left leg starts working better, which means it can contribute, contribute better to a bilateral squat, i.e. you produce more force and increase the amount of uh, tissue damage and neural drive and all that sort of stuff that are, um, applies to getting stronger and strength increases and muscle hypertrophy and things like that. Um, so, a lot of things to consider there. So if you have listened to this and you haven't taken any notes, take some notes. Um, one of the things I think is important to mention as well is rest times. If you are doing maximal voluntary contractions with, uh, especially paired with post-activation potentiation, i.e. A, a, an isometric deadlift into a maximal voluntary 
uh, vertical jump. Again, one you should be only doing it if you're towards the uh, upper levels of performance. Um, and two, you should be resting in between so you're able to create or rest in enough time so you're able to allow post-activation to happen for one. And this can be, from the research I've done, anything up to 20 minutes in between sets. Um, up to around 20 minutes is quite crazy. So, But we're looking probably around the, the four to six minute mark, somewhere in there, um, so that you can maximally voluntarily contract as much as possible in terms of motor recruitment every single time. You put 100% effort. As soon as that starts to drop off and you can't do it anymore, you terminate the session because you're now into the land of diminishing returns. Um, but before all that, take a step back and have a look at your lifestyle. Is it going to allow you to get stronger? If it isn't, try and change some of it or adjust it. If you can't, then we, we might just have to accept the fact that now maybe isn't the time to get as strong as possible. It's about managing stress and managing uh, nutrition and things. So, uh, which, as we've sort of discussed, can in turn have effect of getting you stronger in the training you're doing. So, yeah, any any final points, guys? No. Sweet. Um, just um, yeah, if you are training at home, you find that I'll just be optimistic in that you won't make personal bests. Um, just make the best of the situation you've got, focus on the lifestyle stuff where you can, um, just enjoy it, like don't get frustrated by it just enjoy the fact that you, you are healthy and you can still exercise yeah. health is important as we are seeing health is wealth health is wealth with all these comorbidities and things going on um, but that's another, another conversation well outside our well outside our scope of practice really so Getting strong, if you want to get strong, listen to this podcast. If you want to get really strong, get a coach. And contact us, info at base.training. Until next time, peace.